Hello and welcome, Friartown. Today is March 7th. We're going to be joined by a man who needs no introduction, current AD, Providence Athletics, Bob Driscoll. I am Billy Ritchie, and this is the Friar Podcast. Hello and welcome everybody back to episode 20 of the Friar Podcast. I'm of course your host Billy Ritchie, joined by the great Kevin Farahar of FriarBasketball.com. And today we have a guest who you're probably familiar with. He's going to be going into and finishing his 21st season as athletic director here at Providence College. A West Concord Mass native in the West Concord, Concord Carlisle Hall of Fame, Athletic Hall of Fame, Ithaca College Athletic Hall of Fame, and has had a few stops before PC being an AD, but as most of you remember him, he's worked on projects like Schneider Arena, the Ruane Development Center, has been around for national championships on women's cross country and men's ice hockey, has just been an integral part of athletics here at Providence College for so long, and has truly taken us to heights that we never thought we potentially could be at. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest tonight, Bob Driscoll. Bob, welcome to the show. Billy, really, thanks for that kind introduction. I, I should have you be my agent. I would have made a lot more money here in Friartown if I had you represent me, that. Well, as a lifelong Friar fan and a native of Rhode Island, I've obviously seen what you've done for PC through the years, um, especially like I graduated 2014. And it's it's been special. I, I think Bob Walsh said it best when we had him on a previous podcast. The vision that you brought and others brought to PC, especially in recent years, is that we're not the little guy. We're the big guy. And, and, and that we're, we're, we're here to, you know, to be around the best of them. So, you know, I, I think that vision has, has really come to fruition and it's made Friartown the great place we all know it to be. So to kind of kick things off, this has been a very special season for men's basketball. On this podcast, we talk with a lot of former PC players, staff, coaches, from your perspective, your last season as AD, what has this ride been like for you and this men's basketball team? Well, you know, I've always had big dreams in my life and being the athletic director at Providence College is, is one that I have accomplished. But even I uh, couldn't imagine that we would have taken a couple of guys coming up from transfers and coming out of a pandemic and having arguably one of the best seasons in the history of Providence College. So I'm so happy for Ed, for the program, everyone who loves Friartown. You know, I've been doing this for 47 years at some pretty elite places, but I've never been in a building like the Dunkin' Donuts Center this year. Anyway, that includes the University of California when Jason Kidd and Lamon Murray and some of the great players of all time were, were playing. And I think our fan base is just amazing. Our students are amazing. And so I'm, it's almost like a miracle. You know, the miracles are called a divine providence, but it, it really is a culmination of a lot of hard work by a lot of people, a lot of talented people. And uh, it just shows you what's possible if you work hard enough and get a little luck along the way too. At the end of last season, right? Madison Square Garden, we have a tough loss to DePaul. Obviously expectations weren't met because at the end of the day we had, you know, we had David Duke, we had some great talent on the roster. Ed Cooley was pretty intense in his, in his post-game presser 
saying that some changes needed to be made, ceiling needed to come up a little bit higher. What are some of those things that you worked on from last season to this season? And and what were some of those conversations like with that? Well, we had some really open, honest, direct, and sometimes difficult conversations, which is my job as his coach and his leader. And, you know, sometimes you need someone on the outside that can see things you can't see. I have a life's coach that teaches me the things I can't see. And Really, I said, Ed, we need to get back to basics and just getting young men that can be coached hard by you. Like Ed loves tough, gritty guys. And I think he does a really good job with older guys that take to his kind of coaching. And, and I'm not sure we had that last year. In fairness to the kids, they, they were playing during a pandemic. They weren't playing in front of any fans. We just didn't have any uh, chemistry, if you will. And that's not... Uh, anything negative about those young guys. I just, they, they had a hard time coming together as a group, but I do think the, the addition of uh, the young men that we brought in, the senior laden group that we had that was willing to take Ed's coaching and just saying, hey, it, it, we need to be better. It's just, it's not good enough. And I think he worked harder at it. I worked harder at it. The guys were in the gym all the time. Um, I think Al has been a huge addition. And LaDante is an old school blue collar guy. And I think bringing him to Friartown actually helped change the culture to what when we won the biggie championship when you were a graduating senior i mean we're we're a blue collar team and i think we do best with that but trust me we had some really challenging conversations but everybody did their job and didn't complain and uh kind of stepped up to the plate if you will absolutely the dunk this year has been incredible and to think about it's kind of crazy to think about having it not be this way last year with with no with no fans so totally Totally, that that point hits close to home. But on a positive note with Ed, the ceremony at the end of the last game of the year against Creighton, I was there. Ed grabs the mic, and one of the first things he mentions right off the bat is, I'd like to thank Bob Driscoll. Bob Driscoll changed my life. You know, I am here because of him. Like, And you could just feel the elation in his voice when he was talking about you in that, in that amazing moment. What has your relationship been like you know, with him, and, and how has it evolved, especially recently? Well, it's unusual. I've been doing this a long time. Ed is like a younger brother to me. Uh, I've always wanted nothing but the best for Ed. I knew Ed was the guy I wanted to hire. He's a brilliant coach, but he's a better human being. He has gifts that he doesn't even know he has, right? I mean, the fact he can get on that mic and speak from his heart and give credit to other people tells you the kind of person he is. But you can only be as good as you're willing to be coached and Ed is willing to do anything you ask him to do to get better. It completely touched my heart become I'm a coach by training. And when you have somebody that you love, like I love Ed, I truly do. We have a relationship and it will be a relationship with life. But when you see somebody come from where Ed came from and then be given this opportunity and do something that's never been done before. I mean, he has transformed not only this program, but the entire college and the community. And so he deserves a lot of credit. So when he had that success, it just made me feel good in my heart to know I did my small part, but his gratitude and appreciation back towards me, not that I need the credit, just made me feel really good about what we collectively had all done together. So it was a really meaningful moment for me, particularly going out um, as an athletic director. I mean, you want to know you left the place better. And I think with Ed here and my teammates, I've done that. So Bob, Throughout this year, I know, you know you're in such a high pressure job that I imagine there aren't many times while the season's going on in years past that you kind of 
took it all in as games are going on and thought like this is really special but has there been a moment or an opportunity for you like while the season's going on this year where it really hit you maybe because it's your last year and you can step back a little bit where you kind of it, it really hit home and you're like wow this is a really special moment or time to be here you know, I've tried to stay focused on the moment. And a lot of times, you know, I future trip a lot. I think, what's the next thing I have to do? What's the next challenge? And I think as coaches, we think of um, always being prepared. But um, this year, I tried to be present in all of those moments, whether I'm in the locker room holding the guy's hand, saying a prayer beforehand, or turning around and watching the energy in the crowd. Uh, the last game I was there, I kind of stood back and just absorbed it. I was with my wife and my daughter. And I think I did a better job kind of being present. And it really makes you realize it's kind of surreal. Somebody asked me, how'd you feel the other day? I said, I felt like I was above it all looking down at this beautiful scene of the joy of everybody out there. And it was like, for that moment, life was perfect, right? <laughs> now you fast forward that to a difficult loss last night, a game that I thought we could and should have probably won. And then you go right back to, hey, what do we need to do to, to win the Big East Championship and make a long run in the NCAAs? But I think I've done a really good job being the president of it because I know that this is kind of the last time that I'm going to experience that, that I'll be in the locker room, that I'll feel part of the fabric. But I'm okay with that. I've done this for a long time, and it's time for somebody else to take over the reins. But I have such gratitude and appreciation for what I've been able to do in my lifetime. And uh, it's been a really, a really great run here in Friartown. And one of the things I've noticed this year, which feels different than years past, I'm not sure if you're hearing it. I know you guys hear some of the lucky talk and things like that, but it seems like there's almost more like vitriol or jealousy or some sort of edge from either fellow, you know, these programs or media outlets. I'm not sure if you're hearing that as much in-house and what your reaction is to some of that this year. You know, I pay no attention to it, but here's, here's what it is for me no one ever thought we we would be this person this group right and i always believed we could because that's just how i think and i think there's some jealousy there i really do i think there's some hey who are you you guys are just little providence college and listen we've put the work in you know what our buildings look like you know what my staff looks like you know what prior town looks like we are not the little engine that could anymore we're a have i mean i expect to be in the top 10 i expect to compete for big east championships and Compete for a national championship. Listen, if Villanova can win two national championships, we can win a national championship. And I, and I think what happens is when you're just this little guy on the sidelines and say, yeah, I promise a nice little program, they don't like the idea that you're stepping up and you're beating these other teams. And so I take that as a sign of respect. But if you're really a good competitor, you say, good for you. Good for you. You were able to create something that we didn't think of you and you and you give them credit for it. But I think it just fuels us all the more to prove people wrong. We're a legitimate program. We're a legitimate top 10 program. If you look at our record, record the people would beat the teams we have here in the Big E. So um, I just think it's a small-mindedness. You should, you should give credit what credit is due. And if you can't do that, then you've never really been in the arena. And just touching on, you know, this weekend with Creighton, for me personally, I was so happy for A.J. Reeves and Nate Watson because I think we forget just how much they've been through throughout their careers, right? Like with the pandemic, the year getting cut short two years ago. And last year almost felt like a, a punted year for all the kids, not just them. But I know it's a special group in general, but I feel like for those two guys, I was wondering just what your impressions are of them as people and just how happy you are for them. They've had this, this season that they've had. Kevin, I appreciate you asking that question because the thing I'm most proud of that every young man on our roster 
are great young people. And, and that was not always the case in the past. We had some folks that lost their way and you know what we had to go through all those times. These young men are great individuals and I, I care about them like they're my, my sons. And so when you have a guy like AJ who breaks his hand, who is frustrated and does, wants the opportunity, you, you see him crying in the locker room, you see the frustration, but then to see him work through it and to be mentally tough and then come back and have the kind of year he's had, it brings great joy to my heart because you want good things to happen to good people that work hard. And when that happens, it's a reward that shows, you know what, if you hang in there long enough and you work hard enough, good things would happen. Now, Nate, Nate is one of the most unusual dudes I've ever been around. He is so humble. I've never heard him say a bad word. He's such a good human being. And to see him have the year he's had, it just makes me feel that everything is, is kind of right with the world, right? Um, it's just, it's a really, really special group. You know, I felt that way about the 2014 guys. You know, it takes a special group to do these kinds of things where they, they care each other about each other more than the, than the individuals. But yeah, it just warms my heart to see the smile on his face. And he's got a million dollar smile, right? He's just a, just a great young guy. And Bill, I just have one more follow-up. So Bob, in particular, I, I found like, and again, I might see it more just doing what I do, but specifically with AJ, I feel like expectations were so high for him that I, I feel like the fan base was really hard on him at times. And how hard is that for you and your role and Ed and his role to kind of see that happening? And what do you do to kind of coach kids through when, you know, they're kind of hearing it a little bit from the fan base? Well, what people don't realize, you're playing in front of, what, 12,000 people on national television. The pressure on these young men who define kind of their self-worth, like I did as an athlete on your performance, is really difficult. So what I've found is in those dark moments, that's when you reach out. That's when you pat them on the butt. That's when you, you give them a text and say, I'm thinking about you. If you need anything, let me know. Stay positive. Keep shooting, right? Because he's in the arena. And I think it comes with confidence. You just do what you, you're set to do. Now, AJ transformed his body, right? So he lost a bunch of weight. He went back to what he looked like as a freshman so he could get a shot off so he was quicker and he was more kind of a, an elite athlete around it. So he did the work to get back into shape to let his body does, do what he does naturally. And kudos to him. Had to change his diet, had to work harder. And so you're seeing the fruits of the labor when no one's watching, right? Um, when the lights go on, you better be prepared. He did the work necessary. So um, you just stay positive and tell him you love him and you have confidence in him. Million dollar smiles for both individuals. That's the way I'm gonna remember <laughs> both both AJ and Nate. Like they they persevered that, you know, they, they have ridden with the ups and downs of the program. So happy for them. So happy they could have this moment together. But transitioning, Bob, Let's chat about the new incoming AD, who I've actually known for a while because Steve Knapp went to both Bishop Hendrickson High School and PC, just like myself. Um, and, you know, we're, we're both of Italian-American descent from the greater Cranston area. So we're probably related uh, in, 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 some way, <laughs> in some way, shape or form. Right. <laughs> but no, Steve has been I, I've known him for a long time. I had him on the show. He was actually one of my first guests. I know about his passion for Friartown. I know what he's contributed on the day-to-day -day, fundraising, you know, just always having that passion and just, he's the type of guy you meet and you walk away and you're like, just a great overall person. What do you think about Steve and what do you think he's going to bring to the role? Well, I think the world of Steve or I wouldn't have uh, worked so hard to make sure he was given this 
opportunity. Yeah, um, as I said to Father Sicard, I've been doing this for a long time, and there's no one that I would have hired other than Steve. And I, I know athletics better than anybody on the campus and as good as anybody in the country. And Father, um, listen closely. But Steve's been my teammate for 15 years. He's loyal. He's hardworking. He's creative. He loves Friartown. And I consider myself one of the better ADs in the country. So he and I have worked together. And I've always thought he has a gift that if given the opportunity, he will be great. And um, for me, having spent my life's work trying to make Friartown special, I wanted to make sure he had the opportunity to continue to lead it, hopefully take it to a whole new level. Uh, I'm going to continue to stay on in an advisory way to coach him and help Ed and other folks because I still think I have a lot to add. And um, yeah, I think Friartown is in good hands. Our culture is strong. I told Father, I said, listen, in organizations, when the culture is broken and you're not successful, look outside for a change agent. But we have worked hard together to build this into what we have today. So, so why disrupt the apple cart? And he will surround himself with great people. And you know, he's a Rhode Islander, so good for him. Think about it. He's a Rhode Islander. Ed's a Rhode Islander. Father Sicard's a Rhode Islander. This is this is Rhode Island, born and bred. It was found in Rhode Island. So why not keep the caretakers that were born and raised here to continue to build it, right? There's not a lot of us. So, you know, <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, you know, very happy for him. Um, hope he does. Hopefully he doesn't sit in too much traffic coming from North Kingstown. But um, <laughs> in terms of the dunk, Obviously, what a season it's been for the dunk. John Fanta, our good friend, he was on the Field of 68 podcast, says it's the best atmosphere in college basketball. Like, no, no, no question. Jeff Goodman says, what are you talking about? Like, Texas Tech has the best atmosphere. Jeff Goodman comes to a game and says, wow, the dunk is absolutely rocking at a new level right now. So it's been, it's obviously we talked about it. It's been such an amazing run this year with the fans. In terms of possible renovations, there's been some rumors about some additional renovations. Uh, you've been through a renovation of, of the dunk yourself. Is there any merit to, you know, something that could be going on there? Yeah, there is. You know, through the money that we received, the state received through the pandemic, I think the the dunk got between 42 and $50 million. Uh, it's been a while since we renovated. And if you think of our competitors, they're all in NBA buildings and new buildings like the Paul. And in order for us to keep pace, we need to invest. Uh, we are a blessing to the state of Rhode Island and to the city. You go to the games and you know the, the restaurants are full, the bars are full, the hotels are full. So we're, the branding of it, we're a major driver here, uh, not in terms of brand, but just resources. So the dunk in a state needs to continue to invest in us. Uh, I think at times we're taken for granted um, and don't necessarily spend the dollars necessary to be a a big time program, but I know that the new leadership down there is committed to us. We're going to do new locker rooms, hopefully new video scoreboards, ribbon banners, telescopic seating, new floors, you know, concessions. I mean, it needs a, you know, I'm, I'm in a hotel right across the street right now because my wife lives down in Florida. Um, it just, it needs to be spruced up and we're, if we're a top 10 program, we need to have a top 10 facility downtown and I think they're committed to that and I know we're in discussions with them about what that will look like and they're committed to it as well so I think over the next year to two you're going to see a transformation of that building that will really make all of us very proud oh, that's that's really great news and um you know as as you're getting ready to transition out now I'm interested 
you know, what do you feel most secure about right now in terms of where your department really stands? Then conversely, are there anything that are of particular concerns or immediate goals you'd like to see the school um, tackle coming up? Well, the thing I, may, I feel most secure about is that there's continuity of leadership. Father Sicard, our president, was a teammate of mine for 20 years, 21 years as a president, loves athletics. So we have that. I've got a CFO who loves athletics. I have a, a cabinet that I'm part of that understands athletics and its brand. So the uh, chairman of the board of trustees, all that. So we have complete alignment in terms of vision and what we need to do. So I, I don't have any worries about that. Uh, I think the Big East is in great shape. Uh, we're, we've got three years left in our Fox contract, but we need to negotiate another long-term deal because those are the resources around that. Uh, you know, we've got, uh, I think, five or six years left on the, on the Madison Square Garden. Uh, we need to get that long-term because I know the other conferences want to get into that as well. You know, the real challenge will be what happens with the NCA and, and uh, kind of the decentralization of letting programs do what they, they want to do and, and allowing us to keep up. We'll, we'll never be able to keep up with the football schools, but that's okay. We have the resources to be a major player in basketball. And I always thought that not having football, and I was in charge of football at Cal, is a benefit to those schools that just are focusing on basketball. The Big East has shown that you can be basketball-centric and be and win national championships. Um, so the challenge is moving forward. We need, to, we need to continue to raise money. The school's embarking, hopefully, on a, on a major capital campaign. We need to raise about another $100 million to start endowing scholarships and, and uh, funding our other programs. But I think we're in good shape right now. We just have to continue to, to win. And my goal is to make sure that Ed is here in Friartown so the continuity continues because at the end of the day it's all about the leadership you can have all the money in the world but you don't have the right people kind of leading the band you can step back pretty quickly and bob just really quickly you mentioned ed i should have asked this earlier how gratifying has this year been for him and your conversations with him as he i imagine he's feeling really great about this year has gone you know i think ed feels really good you know he he took a pretty good pounding the last couple of years you know fans can be fickle you know he's this same guy this year that they want to anoint and last year everybody was thinking you know what the hell's going on so you've got to kind of take that with a grain of salt but that's a tough job right it's a public figure job and unfortunately people sometimes lose track of the fact that other people are trying to beat you too and um, so I think it's very gratifying and as a competitor you want to show people that hey I can be successful so I'm really happy for Ed you know um, Ed gets paid a lot of money to be successful but there's a lot of there's a lot of stress in this this job, and unless you live in the arena and understand what comes with that, it's not all what people think. This is a twenty four seven kind of commitment. It's a family commitment, and uh, I'm just really happy for him. He's a, he's a great human being, and deserves the success and the credit he, he, that he's been able to create this year. Great. And then taking a broader look, just at your career at, at Providence, I'm wondering. It's probably so hard to, you know, list off a handful of things, but I'm wondering if there if you've had any time to reflect on it or if there's anything already that stands out at your time there is like these were the most special moments I had while I was at PC. I think the thing I'm most proud of is be able to get people to believe that we could be great. You know, I'm not sure people thought that early on and as a competitive person when I talked about creating a model program most respects and 100% graduation speak for championship everything we talked about every single thing from raising money to building buildings to winning national championships to Big East championships to graduating 
of our student athletes to being one of the model programs in college athletics, it happened. Uh, and it wasn't just because of me. I had the vision and the drive, but people bought into it. So the thing I'm most proud of is that we took something that kind of was starting to wane in the past and the college hadn't invested in it. And now everybody is on the same page. I think that's what I'm most, most proud of. And, I, and if, I, if I knew how hard it was going to be, I'm not sure you would even start because it's just, there was so many things I didn't even know when I was at that stage, but I'm so proud of a small place doing something that no one thought was possible. And you guys are living, you, you lived through it 20 years. You know what I'm talking about, yeah. right? You must feel really different about your alma mater today than you did 20 years ago or even in 2014. Yeah. Even right? from, you know, six, seven years ago, it's crazy. And that kind of leads to my, my final question. Like, was there, you know, it's been a slow process, right? You know, it, it's a, it's a, not a slow process, but a long process, you know, and was there a certain time where you felt like it's all really starting to come together? Cause I have some thoughts in my head, but I'm interested to hear when you started to really feel like, all right, we're getting momentum here. Yeah. I would say, you know, to build anything takes time. There's no quick fixes to anything. Um, and the first 10, 11 years were really hard, really, really hard. But I think when we won the Big East, you know, it's great we won the national championship in cross country, but we had done that before, right? We did that without track because we had the best coach in the country. But for me, when we won the Big East championship and we reconfigured the new Big East, I thought, hmm, we can be a player in that. Then we won the national championship in hockey. You know, then I thought, okay. Then we built the Roane Fire. We, we renovated, but the Roane Fire uh, Development Center, which was a dream. Those things were watershed moments that completely transformed what I thought was possible. And then from there, it's just continued to spiral. So when I sat there today in the, in the uh, Roane Center, I watched the highlights of this entire year culminating with the regular season Big East Championship. And I've been watching the 2014 over and over again. I said, when's the next one? When's the next one? Have we peaked? And then when that happened, I realized there's an entire new level to this whole thing, right? Um, so there were these watershed moments, but um, I think 2014, Big East Championship. What were your thoughts, Kev? Yeah, I, and I'm trying to think of the year. I mean, yeah, I was thinking like that 2014 to 16, like when you had the hockey, soccer was in the final four. And yeah. then you had the biggest championship and then you immediately had Chris Dunn kind of taking off. And yeah. I look at when I was at PC, I think, I don't want to misspeak. I think the soccer team might've gone like, Oh, and whatever in the conference when I was a yeah, senior. Oh, and 16. Yeah. Soccer. Yeah. Oh, and 16. And I remember being like, this is insane that like all these programs at once seem to be, have completely flipped in like a short amount of time. And, and again, I knew it was a lot of work, but it seemed like it all came together at, around the same two or three year string there. And I think that that's, what's been fun about this year for basketball, right? Because it felt like that momentum was really coming back two years ago and it got cut short. And this year, yeah. I think it's been different because we've been able to enjoy this year, like end to end. Like a lot of times the hoop scenes got kind of hot the last month. Whereas this has been like a totally different February because it's playing for a CD now, which is a real different feeling, which has been really, really fun. But yeah, that was my thought that kind of, and I'm foggy now on what the years were for the other sports, but yeah, that like 14 to 16 range, I felt like you guys, it really started to get going at that point. Yeah, it becomes contagious too. People start winning and then coaches become competitive within each other and then I want to do it and and then somebody is successful and I can do it. And it yeah, it's, it, it's this mindset. 
it all starts with belief at the end of the day. If you don't believe you can do it, you can't. But then when it happens, people start believing and then it just becomes uh, contagious in a weird way. What I was going to add is even somebody who graduated in the fold or the friars of the last decade, like coming back to campus, I came back to campus earlier this year, totally different place. It's just, just yeah. absolutely, absolutely incredible from like, I was a business major at the Ryan school of business, walking up to that beautiful building. And it's like the amount of collaboration, you know, and, and, and beautiful places to learn in there was just impressive. And then obviously Ruane was being built, you know, as I was finishing up and, it's it just, it's just an ode to, to many friars of the past who were extremely successful in their athletic careers. I think it's, I think it's amazing. And, you know, other than like the sleep pods and, you know, the, all, all the, all the crazy stuff that goes on in there, if there was something that you personally could leave at PC athletics forever, you know, tangible or non-tangible now that you're going to be stepping away, what would that be? Oh, that's a tough question. I, th I think it would be the competitive mindset, right? To be great at anything, you have to believe in risk and be able to say publicly, "We're gonna, we're gonna win a championship," and not be and not shy away from that. And I think that takes courage because if you don't, you're not willing to put your butt on the line and say, "I'm gonna do whatever it takes to be great," you'll never be great. And I think there are very few people that are willing to do that. Like I'm, I'm crazy enough to do that because I believe in myself and I figure it's like walk on moon the walls. If I say I'm going to get in the moon and I'll get there, but I get halfway there, I've gone a lot farther than you. So I would say keep the belief that we can be the best. You're not always going to win. You're not going to be, but if you don't believe that in your heart and soul and get up every day that you're going to be the best, you don't have a shot. And that's, that's fragile because you start losing games and you start self-doubting and you start it goes with the mindset of everybody else. Oh, it's negative, negative, negative. Because our, our society is negative by nature. It takes a core group of people to say, no, we're going to stick through this despite the challenges to get there. So it's a, it's, a, it's a mindset of competitive toughness. If you lose that, you're done. 100%. And going off that, what do you want your legacy to be? How do you want people to remember you here in Friartown, spending now would be 21 years being the athletic director and just seeing massive change through your years here. Yeah, I, and I don't really think about my legacy much. I, I just want people, if I, if, they, if I was at my eulogy or something, I want people to say that he was an honest man, he worked hard, and um, he cared about people and left the place a better place than he found it. I, I'd rather be known as somebody of character and, re and dignity than about winning. It's all about, did I help people become the best they can be? As a coach, that's the highest compliment that you can be paid. So that's what I want. Amen to that. And we'll finish up with some some fun questions. I, I got to know, so you come from, you know, Berkeley, you're coming from, you know, Cal California here and you roll into Rhode Island. What have been some of your favorite parts about spending all these years in, in, in the most unique state on planet Earth? I, I love Rhode Island. So I grew up in a small town. I'm glad you said West Concord versus Concord because I, West Concord was a working class town. I grew up beside the Concord reformatory. So I'm, I'm a blue collar kind of guy. But I, I just love the two degrees of separation. I'm, I can walk anywhere with my prior gear on. I get to go friars. They want to talk about it. They might not even know who I am. 
I just love the interconnectedness of the family vibe and feel first and foremost you know it just I feel warm and welcome second thing I like to eat I like to go out I think the restaurants are off the hook I can walk in I can go to Federal Hill I can go down there Narragansett. I go to Newport some of the greatest restaurants in the town I love the accents you know like I lost my accent moving to the west coast but a, a Rhode Island accent is radically different than a Boston accent I just love hearing Rhode Islanders talk. Uh, I love the calamari. I love the cabinets. I used to call them fraps. But I, you know, I, I love that people were born and raised here and they stay here. They have families here. They want to come back here. They're proud of where they're from. And that's, that's important. Living in California is a very transient kind of place. It's not like here, like it's roots. And if you're a Rhode Islander, you're proud to be here. And, um, and the beaches, like I'm a beach guy. So I think it's got the best, some of the best beaches in the country. So um, it's literally, really, and I've lived in a lot of nice places. It's the best place for Love Rhode Island. All right. Love. I need, a, I need official takes on two things then. Your favorite restaurant in Rhode Island, which we asked oh. on the, on the show, we asked most guests this yeah. and favorite beach. I got, I got to hear both. Uh, it's hard on the, on the, on the favorite place, but the place that I feel like I've gone back in time is Capriccio's. I like going downstairs. I like the kind of big old concrete walls. I like the guys in the white gloves. I like them making the pasta. Over the, so that's old school to me. Oh, Camille's. I mean, both those places I, I think are, are fabulous. Although I live at, at the Capitol Grill because they're my, they're my family. Um, and I, and I like, I like the beach down at Narragansett I like the pier there I like I like going to the restaurant on the corner there I like I like riding my bike around there you know that's the first beach that I went to and that's the beach that I I like the most although I, I can never get parking anymore man so I, I don't go down there anymore <laughs> you know gotta get up early uh, to get on that seawall Bob yeah I know that's a that that's the, the the food thing but I'm an Italian food junkie so you know I can go all up and down Federal Hill but when I, I've got a good friend, Jack Clark, who's the, the successful uh, rugby coach at Cal, goes all over the world. Every time he comes, he makes me take him downstairs to Capriccio's because he just makes him feel kind of old school, old, old world, you know? I try and tell people here in New York, I'm like, listen, the Italian food in Rhode Island is different. You know, you might not even be able to drive home. You'll be so full. But, you know, it's, it's just it's, it's Rhode Island is, is such a unique place. But if there's one thing that I think encapsulates Rhode Island is just like you said, like the family atmosphere and like people who truly never leave. And a large majority of them are Friar fans. So yeah. it, it's, it's a very, uh, you know, th we are the professional sports team of Rhode Island and I wouldn't trade it for anything. There are no, and I, I mean this sincerely, I'm not just saying it because I'm a, I'm a Friar. There are no better fans in the country than Friar fans because it touches generation after generation from newborns to 95 year olds, I get the most amazing letters from people about how it changed their lives for generations. I don't know too many places on the planet that exists like that. I really don't. Um, and that's special. That's why, that's why the dunk is what it is. It's almost a hundred years, of just, you know, prior basketball, right? hundred percent. It's brought me and Kevin together. My uh, my grandma used to listen to games on the radio. It's just a uh, you know, it's, it's a generational thing, like you said. But Bob, can't thank you enough for taking the time. 
for giving back to Friartown and doing all the amazing things that you did through your 21 years. We're very excited to see you at MSG next week, and we're excited to go on a great run to end uh, your Friar basketball AD career. Thank you. Thank you, Billy and Kevin. I appreciate it. I love these kind of conversations. Thanks everything you do for Friartown. Man. This is an important important role you guys play, and it just makes me really proud to be a Friar to have team likes like you guys. So let's let's win the whole thing, man. Let's, let's, let's not be settled for second place. Let's go for the whole thing, and let's win a national championship. Why not? Somebody's going to do it. Amen. Brick by, brick by brick. If you're late, don't come in. Go don't Friars. come in, baby. Remember that. <laughs> Thanks, man. Take care. Go Friars. We'd like to thank everyone for listening to episode 20 of the Friar Podcast. A special thank you to Kevin Farhar of FriarBasketball.com. And of course, our special guest, Bob Driscoll. If you enjoy our content, please follow us on Instagram as well as Twitter and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. We'll be back again with our next episode in the coming weeks. And as always, go Friars.